This is a CBC Podcast. Saskatchewan's premier is in India this morning. Scott Moe says it's his job to expand the trade we do with that country and protect the jobs that rely upon it. The opposition says there's plenty of work to do at home right now. For example, the NDP's finance critic Trent Weatherspoon had some scathing comments yesterday. This is wild stuff. Earlier this week, Cabinet's approval of over $757 million in new spending was quietly posted on government's website under orders and counsel without the normal fanfare. The government didn't advise the public, the media, or the opposition of what appears to be a massive overspend and an increase in the provincial deficit. We don't have the detail. We don't have a government making themselves available. We don't have a government answering as to how did they miss so badly on this budget. For the latest on this and the week's political news, we've reached two political watchers. Jeremy Symes is the Saskatchewan correspondent for the Canadian Press. Murray Mandrick is a political columnist with the Regina Leader Post, and they both join me now in studio. Hi, Jeremy. Hi. Hi, Murray. How are you doing? Jeremy, what else did we hear from the opposition on this spending? Right. So the Executive Council, which is chaired by the Premier and includes Cabinet Ministers, they signed off on $757 million in additional spending. So they do this through what's called special warrants, and it's a measure the government uses when it doesn't have money budgeted to spend, so it needs to spend that money. Um, this happens every year. You might see special warrants go out for $10 million, a few million dollars here and there. But what Trent Witherspoon was saying, the NDP finance critic, was the $757 million. It's quite unprecedented. We haven't seen this amount in quite some time for a special warrant. Um, like, like you listen there, he called it a wild amount. He says it shows the government is not budgeting appropriately and it's not being transparent about where the money is going. Reporters then asked the government, where is this money going? We asked for more details and we got a list back from the province. So of this $757 million, $450 million of that is going to healthcare, mostly to address pressures in our hospitals and our, our waiting rooms and that sort of thing. $150 million of that is going for a new doctor's contract. We're seeing $86 more million for crop insurance as the summer drought had really hampered producers. And we're seeing almost about $100 million for environmental cleanup. So we have some abandoned mines in the north and those need to be cleaned up. So some of the money is going there. And then tens of millions of more dollars in other places the list kind of goes on. Uh, the government did not say how this is going to affect their $250 million deficit. We're going to find out about that in March on Budget Day, which is the same day that they released their third quarter financials. What do you make of all this? Uh, the fact that we didn't get so much as a, a, a news release, a tweet about the fact that we're spending three quarters of a billion dollars on a budget that already has gone from a billion dollar surplus when it was presented 11 months ago in March to a $250 million deficit. So we were billion up, we might be a billion down. We don't know and, and, and that's stunning to me. They used to basically put out a, three, a third quarter statement about now or a little earlier even because uh, the third quarter of the year ends uh, on December 31st. Uh, there's time to do this. The reason that, that, that they were uh, insistent upon it is pressures from opposition basically saying that you can't just jam it into uh, the budget which – everybody forgets about and ignores because they're more interested in the, in next the future year, spending in the plans, which is brand new, yeah. which makes perfect sense. 
one has to be highly suspicious that this is the game going on. And what's irritating is the government wasn't even particularly honest about that. They said, we've always done it this way. No, you didn't, because actually in opposition, you complained about it, and the current opposition complains about it. So the rules were changed in 2014 and 2015. Oh, we're old. Don't tell us. That's right, yeah. (laughs) We remember. I mean, more Grandpa Simpson stories, apparently. (laughs) But it's very frustrating from that standpoint in the sense that they're not even being uh, accurate and facts matter in terms of of how they're doing it. Even more ridiculous is they're not speaking on this. Some of it is logical spending, cleaning up uh, environmental uh, issues related to uranium, uh, more money for health care, little matter how much more you're able to spend for the teachers, doctor's contracts. This is all good spending. And one would think the government would want to have accountability for this. But how do you have accountability, I guess, uh, when no one's around? The premier's in India where everybody else is, is everywhere else. And we really don't know at this particular point who's running the show, even though we've potentially gone from a billion-dollar uh, uh, surplus to a billion-dollar deficit. We don't know, but there's no accounting for it. The premier is away. Jeremy, what can you tell us about this latest trip and the reaction to it? Yeah, the premier's office announced this week that the premier is in India. In a news release, he says he's there to promote trade between Saskatchewan and India because India is a big exporter or importer of Saskatchewan products. A lot of our jobs here in the province rely on those exports that go to India. So that's why the premier is there to promote trade. And he's also there to sign an education MOU um, to maybe get more students here in Saskatchewan from that country. But he's getting a fair bit of criticism for going as well. So the NDP held a news conference the same day that announcement came out. And trade critic Alina Young said the premier should not be going right now. We have a lot of issues at home. We have the labor issues with teachers. We have health care issues people going to Calgary uh, for mammograms, the list kind of goes on there. And so the NDP compiled some data. And since 2018, this government has spent more than $230,000 on trips to India. Agriculture Minister David Merritt was there last year. The Premier was there last year as well. And so the NDP is just trying to show there's a pattern here of a lot of government travel at a time when there's a lot of issues back home. You'll probably remember the Dubai trip that got a lot of press coverage as probably that trip alone is going to crack more than a million dollars. Again, the Premier is defending this trip. He says he's there because jobs are important and we need to grow our exports. Uh, If you look at the exports that we do send to India, we sent $1.3 billion worth of goods. That's about one-fifth of what Canada sent to India last year. Huge trading partner and uh, kind of hard always to quantify how much return on investment you get for politicians traveling. How necessary do you think it is for the Premier personally to be doing this? It's not like he's going there and bringing back a boatload of money. Like it, it, that's not how it works, uh, and I, I, we don't honestly know how it works because as you, as you properly uh, frame it, it's hard to qual- uh, quantify because uh, some of these deals might have come together anyway. In fairness to politicians, maybe they do things uh, that uh, that we don't realize or perfectly understand. There's a lot of nuance in politics, but first of all, that's why we have Indian trade offices right now, and that's why we hire people like Stephen Harper to basically do our bidding there. So exactly why the Premier Jeremy Harrison and the Agriculture Minister have to go there quite so frequently, I'm not sure. Signing an MOU for 
education is, well, ironic, given the fact that we kind of have a bit of a mess of, of education at home. Uh, the Premier has not been around to speak to those uh, uh, those issues, and certainly the most uh, recent one we're talking about in terms of the budget debt. You can make a pretty good argument, I guess, that uh, if you really want to have the money to be able to spend, to deal with the uh, money spent in those special warrants, then you got to go to India and trade and, and every place else. But I'm seeing no evidence, or I'm seeing almost very little evidence of, uh, of, uh, of, of whatever specific benefit we get from sending politicians over. And under the circumstances that we have to spend way more for other things, maybe travel is uh, one of the first things we can cut back. It's probably the first thing you, I, and everybody else does in, in uh, the province. Even if we think a trip is necessary or anything else, we fly economy. We, we don't go. We do, we do other things because we have issues, because, you know, the pennies matter. And in this particular case, uh, it doesn't seem the pennies matter to, uh, to Premier uh, Scott Moe and others because he consistently says, I'm making no apologies for it. Well, if you're not making apologies for it, you have to be at least accountable for it. And he's neither being accountable for the spending at home or the spending he's, he's making on this trip right now. And obviously, that should be a concern to, uh, to the public. The new board of the Saskatchewan Human Rights Commission is once again in the news. Jeremy, what's the latest on that? Right. So you remember back in January, the entire Human Rights Commission board was changed. um, And that drew quite a bit of criticism. You know, some saw it as the government trying to retaliate against the commission for speaking out against the school pronoun rules. You remember Heather Katai, she was a commissioner. She resigned over that, calling them discriminatory. Well, what's new is... Uh, One of those appointees, these new appointees, is Mubarak Syed, and he is running to run for the Saskatchewan party in the next election. He's seeking the nomination for a seat in Saskatoon. This is Don Morgan's uh, old seat. He is retiring. It was a strong SAS party seat under him. Um, Now, I don't know technically if Mr. Syed is breaking any rules here, um, but it does raise some questions and some people are criticizing the move. Um, Mr. Syed says he was considering to run for the Saskatchewan party in November. So then that raises the question of, well, why was he appointed in January when the government knew he was going to be you know, seeking the nomination in November. Um, we had uh, Justice Minister Bromonaire also acknowledge that she knew he was going to be running in November. So that question does come up again. I'll go back to Heather Katai. She says, you know, when she was a commissioner, she couldn't put up a lawn sign during an election. She couldn't let alone just run for a party nomination. So there are some questions that are being raised there. Um, Going back to Minister Bromonaire, she says it's unfortunate, though, that uh, Mr. Syed is facing some criticism right now just because she doesn't want people who are on boards and commissions to not run for for political office just because they're on a board or commission. Right. We, we have democratic rights um, in this country, and you can take a leave from your job, but the timing of this is really puzzling. Well, to be clear with Ms. Eyre, it's a board commission that you just appointed. So <laughs> you appointed to 20-year candidates. <laughs> this never used to be a high-profile position. It became a high-profile uh, commission because, once again, Ms. Eyre's uh, Justice Department decided to – uh, pull in the notwithstanding clause on a pronoun bill that the, that the Saskatchewan Human Rights Commission, the previous Saskatchewan Human Rights Commission, was very critical of. All of a sudden, we see people that are running for the party being appointed to the commission. Yeah, we're a little suspicious. 
because it's patently ridiculous. <clears throat> I'll take it one step further and I'm saying this move lacks integrity and ethics because – and I, I, I say more so on the part of the justice minister than the individual candidate. Um, I welcome Mr. Sayad or anybody else running for public office. We need more diversity and we need probably more candidates like him, particularly in the SAS party caucus that isn't actually very diverse. But all that said, that doesn't necessarily give him the right to a government appointment that ups his profile and for Ms. Eyre to gaslight and say, geez, this is everybody else's problem and this is what's keeping us from uh, running uh, – people from running from public office. Well, gee, maybe when you go through everybody's social media feed and crap on every every tweet or everything else because they're an opposing candidate, that might discourage people from running too. There's way things that discourage people from uh, running and this is more about, it seems to me, them wanting to get their people on the board. What was the exact criticism that she was facing last January when she wholesale uh, appointed a, a new board after the controversy related to the last boards, Ms. Katai's resignation, uh, the, the letter that was sent all in parallel with what judges, lawyers, the uh, Human Rights Commission, uh, psychologists, teachers were saying that was the problem with the pronoun bill. So they have created this monster for themselves and they're trying to fix it apparently uh, by choosing new, uh, new appointees. We find out one of those new appointees is very much somebody that wants to run for them. I don't know how this does anything other than further uh, uh, hurt the credibility of the Human Rights Commission, which is a sad thing. And it's a sad thing because Mr. Siad might be a very good appointment. I don't know. He might be a very good candidate. I don't know. But he can't be both. And it's just simply wrong for him to be uh, both. It's unethical uh, uh, to be both. And the problem starts at the doorstep of the Minister of Justice's office. And that's where the silly notion that it's somebody else's problem other than hers because she made the appointment of one of her candidates is just nonsense. Thanks, you guys. You're welcome. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.